Good morning. My name is Seth Miller. Today we'll be reading from John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. If you're using our Pew Bibles, it is on page 1003. I'll give you a moment to get there. Once you get there, say spiritual family. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold, your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold, your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. This is the word of the Lord. Well, Westside, we thank you again for joining us on this Mother's Day. And I just want to spend a few brief moments uh, together as a congregation because there's a lot going on today. There's a lot going on in the life of our church. And there's a lot going on in your lives as well. And we want to honor the women um, in our lives. And I think interesting things can happen on a day like today, really. Um, there's a lot of other narratives that can actually creep in. That, that shape the day. Like when you think about it, even something like a hallmark or, or something like that comes along and tries to shape the narrative. And, and we find that things like that sort of take away from kind of what um, Adam talked about, uh, the, the, maybe the grief. That's the reality of a day like today. And it's just all supposed to be good when it's hallmarky. Or, or then there's where it's, um, we're not even going to honor this at all. We're going to keep on trucking and ignore it and this, that, and the other. And and I think that, that we need to be careful because even some other narratives creep into the church. Like, in all reality, Mother's Day is a great day. It's a, I mean, it's in one of God's top tens, right? Honor your father and mother. This is a good idea, right? It's a national holiday. Um, but, but maybe as a way of illustration, this will be helpful. Um, the year was 1498, and the young man was only 24 years of age when Michelangelo was commissioned for his, uh, to make the statue, the Pieta. And it is world-renowned as uh, the statue is made of all marble, which is pretty incredible when you see how um, life-forming it is, the flow of the garments. And it is literally a scene from what we just read. It is Mary, Jesus' mother, holding his lifeless body. And it's just profound to look at, really. Um, but one of the things that's interesting is, is as you see it today is not technically the artist's um, intent. And, and let me tell you a little bit like Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. So as Michelangelo is shaping this statue, you got to understand something about artists and back then. It was all about light and lighting, right? Um, can you believe they didn't have selfie cameras back then, right? And all the lights and all of this type of stuff. So it was all about natural light and how it fell. Well, well, right now, the Pieta is on display at St. Peter's Basilica there in the Vatican, and when you stand in front of it, it's massive. It's five feet by nine inches, six feet by five inches. But it stands on a tall platform. And it's lit directly from the front with lights shining on it. 
Well, I think it's safe to say that in 1498, that probably wasn't Michelangelo's intent of the lighting and this, that, and the other. And we actually know that um, it was created to rest on the ground at an eye level. And it was actually a commission to go in St. Petronilia, a Roman mausoleum. And what's particular about that mausoleum is that it had a dome and a sunroof in it. So Michelangelo wanted the Pieta to be in the middle for the sunlight to shine directly on top of it. And oh my, when that happens... It changes everything. Because as it stands now, Jesus' face is away and the light shines directly on Mary. But in the World's Fair in 1964, they set it on the ground and lit it from above. And when you do that, we realize the way that Michelangelo shaped it, if it's lit from above, Mary's face has a shadow casted over it. And Jesus is directly front and center. One critic said this way, as you view it like it was at the World's Fair, it seems as though the Christ could fall from her lap and be presented to you at any moment. Now, That, I think, is a great illustration to show possibly what happens on a day like today. Um, When we allow other things to shape the original design, the focus gets placed on other areas. And I think there's a number of messages that have creeped into the church and into the culture on a day like today where we honor moms and women alike. And if we're not careful those messages can really warp the focus. Um, Here's a few sort of uh, warped messages of womanhood. The first one is this, right? I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm strong. I'm capable. And it kind of flows into like, I don't need no man up in this mug, right? And this, that. I'm enough, right? And listen, praise, hey, 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 listen, this is a good spot. Men, this is a good spot for an amen. I I am teeing you up, buddy, okay? (laughs) Praise God for strong and faithful women. Amen. 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 But if we're honest with ourselves, ain't nobody getting by without the grace of God. Amen. Which, which sort of leads into the like, I'm, I'm enough, which sort of flows into, um, I, don't need any, I don't need nobody. I, I ain't never had a man in my life since day one. I raised these kids and I don't need a man for the rest of the... Okay, okay, great, awesome. Praise God. Praise God, right? Um, problem with that is um, the Bible actually says you do need someone. And that you actually can't live this thing out in isolation. Or, or how about the third message? Um, this is just the way I am, right? You're just going to have to deal with me. This is just the way I... Well, number one, you don't have a lot of friends, okay, when you go around saying that, all right? Um, and when I hear this now, I actually hear um, a deep wound that's deeply afraid to change and probably wondering if anybody could actually love them. Or how about the fantasy of the last one? I'm just, I'm too unique. 
Nobody can ever really love me the way I want to be loved, and they never really get it right, and, and I'm, just, I'm just too unique. Um, when we start to fantasize about something like that, we forget verses like, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And likewise, we're all equally in need of the very same Jesus. And, and if I'm honest, even the verses that I read to you could be preached a warped sort of way. Like, I even kind of got on the Google machine this week and thought, I wonder how kind of a Mother's Day theme and these verses, and Mary's there at the cross, and there's Jesus, and, and, and there's a way to preach this that's, that's sort of pharisaical. And, and here's what I mean. A lot of the sermons went like this. Um, number one, a mother's love is to the dying end. I mean, there's Jesus. He's dying on the cross, and, and mama is front and central. Well, that's great. That, now, that's true, right? Or, or how about this, number two? Jesus honored his mother with his dying breath. <gasps> right? Oh, there he is, and he's, behold, your mother, and, 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 and oh, man, this is so good, right? But, but here was the application to it all, right? Here it is. Here's the application on Mother's Day. Jesus honored his mother so be like Jesus. Oh, gosh, let's pray. We'll have the benediction and we'll go home right now. Father God, we just write. And there's a problem with that. The problem with that is there's no gospel there. And on a Mother's Day where we honor the women in our lives, we still pause and say the gospel is the good news. And the good news is this that we couldn't do it, and that we're not strong enough. But God, in his richness and in his kindness, sent Christ to live the life that we could not live and died in the place for our sins. And three days later, Jesus rose again, saying that death does not have the last word and sending his Holy Spirit now to us to live the Christian life. And now Jesus rules and reigns and will come back someday. So you're not doing it on your own. Jesus has done it. And what God says over your life now, mamas and women, is this. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. That's the good news. And what's central at it is the cross. And so the big idea today is this. Womanhood and motherhood they are shaped by the cross. Just because it's a day where we honor our mothers, both biological and spiritual, and all the women in our lives, doesn't negate the fact that those roles still find their place in the cross. So what does a cross-shaped motherhood and womanhood look like? Well, the first thing is this. Cross-shaped motherhood is close to the cross. It's close to the cross. I don't know if you picked up on it, but look at the verse. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, and the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. There's a lot of Marys at the foot of the cross, right? It's because there's something about Mary. Okay? It's as funny as I get the rest of the sermon, all right? Okay? 
Um, in the original language, this phrase, standing by the cross, actually means next to the cross. Like, there's the cross, and then there is Mary and these women. Now, why is that significant? Um, maybe you didn't grow up in church. Maybe you're a non-believer sort of checking this out. We are so glad that you're here. And, and you're like, man, there's the Matthew, Mark, Luke, but they're all supposed to be about Jesus. How are they different? How are they the same? Well, listen, those are called the gospel narratives. And it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what they really are, they're like biographies of Jesus. But they're written from a certain perspective, one of the primary followers of Jesus. So they record generally the same things like Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but, but they do it from a different perspective. John says that this group of women was really close to, they were next to the cross. Well, look at what Matthew's gospel says. There were also many women there looking on from a distance. These women had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him. By the way, it's really cool to know that Jesus was ministered to by the women in his ministry. That's pretty incredible, right? But there's two groups of people here. There's a group of women who are far away, and then there's a group of women who are close. Well, what most scholars agree is this. That when the act of the crucifixion was taking place, you didn't really want to be close. Because a Roman soldier could kind of like, you staring, you want some too? It's your, like, so you weren't really around like right next to that for fear of your own life. So they were probably far away watching. Now, um, women in the room, especially mamas, can, can you follow me with this? Mary is far away from Jesus watching him suffer greatly, hearing him cry out. Can you imagine the moment that she was like, I can't anymore. I'm going. I'm going. Did they hold her back? You can't go. I am. Do you hear him? That's my son. I'm going. And she lands right next to the cross. It is not by mistake that the Holy Spirit records this moment, but also records that other women didn't come closer. So think about this. As it got worse, Mary got closer and closer and closer to the cross. Um, many of you will probably be familiar with the name Fanny Crosby. Uh, she's a pillar of the church. She's written a number of the hymns that we have come to love and sing. Fanny Crosby um, was blind a majority of her life, almost all of her life. When she was a small baby, she had a very bad eye infection. And this is back in the early 1800s where the common grace of medicine was not like it is today. And there happened to be a snake oil salesman, if you will, who was in town that day. And her mother took her fanny to this, you know, magician or whatever, if you will. And he makes a concoction of mustard, vinegar, jalapeno seeds, crushes it up, and puts it on her eyes. 
And history records that she cries out, Fanny does as a little baby. The mother knew something was wrong. The would-be doctor said, no, leave it on. And what ended up happening was, is that it burned the retinas on Fanny Crosby's eyes. And she was blind for the rest of her life. And she suffered greatly with illnesses. And there was a significant day in Fanny's life where two events happened. One of them was this, that a dear brother in the church who would write the melodies that ended up becoming the great hymns that we would sing, um, he was a musician. And so he would sort of come up with a melody that he liked, but he would pass it on to Fanny to um, fill in with the lyrics because she was such a poet. And so oftentimes he would have the melody and she would write in the lyrics. And on that day, he passed her a melody. But it just so happened to be the same day that somebody asked Fanny Crosby, how do you do it? How have you done it in your life with your suffering, your blindness? And they asked this question, how do you get through life? And Fanny Crosby responded with these words, near the cross, which became one of her great hymns, and it says this, In the cross, in the cross, be my glory forever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. Near the cross, a trembling soul, love and mercy found me. There the bright and morning star sheds its beams around me. Near the cross, O Lamb of God, bring its scenes before me. Help me walk from day to day with its shadow o'er me. Near the cross, I'll watch and wait, hoping, trusting ever till I reach the golden strand just beyond the river. Listen, these women at the foot of the cross and Fanny Crosby's answer is the answer. And women of Westside, let me remind you of something today. The cross of Christ is not a place that we visit on emergencies or big prayer requests. The cross of Christ is where we live. It is a posture of life. And might dare I say that the reason why motherhood stirs such affections in us is because of the sacrifice and the patience that it requires. Could it be that it's also because it reflects the patience and the sacrifice of the cross of Christ? So cross-shaped motherhood is close to the cross. The second thing is this. Cross-shaped motherhood isn't safe. And now, moms, I put that as point number two because I know if I put it at point number one, you wouldn't listen to me the rest of the sermon, right? Just, just pause, pause and look at the verse. Look what's happening. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother. Um, you know, when, when these families were up here and we talked about like parent guilt and just, am I, am I doing enough? Am I, am I doing it right? And then you think, oh my God, I'm screwing them up for life. Like, right? They're going to be in a therapist's office spending tons of money because what I've done. I mean, there's all of these emotions, right? And, and let me just, here's your Mother's Day message from Westside. You ready for this? All right, mamas, listen. Ain't no mama raising a perfect baby. 
Welcome to Westside. We're glad you're here, right? You know? <laughs> now, there has been one mother who raised a perfect child, and it's Mary. I mean, can you imagine conversations, right? Like, oh, my kid's doing great. They're, you know, gonna, they're going off to and doing this. Like, oh, well, my kid's God, so, you know. <laughs> We're just so thankful he loves our family. Yeah, well, my kid's sinless, okay, right? I mean, like, there's a real perfect child there. That's a pretty big deal, right? Um, now, Mary has a perfect child. And she's watching her child suffer the worst death anyone could die. Question. Did perfect parenting protect Jesus from suffering? No. Um, how can Mary even do this? How, how is she able to even emotionally go through this? Well, it's, it tells us in Luke's gospel, when, when the nativity and, and, and everything is promised, we glance over it at Christmas. Do you know one of the things that's promised is when Jesus is there in the temple, Simeon promises and says, Mary, there will be a day when a sword will pierce your side. This is that day. And, and to everything that's happening, Mary says this, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Here's what I'm trying to say. Oftentimes you might have heard God's will is the safest place to be. That's not true. God's will is not safe. As Tolkien described of Aslan, our God is not safe, but our God is good. And the goal of motherhood and parenting is not to provide comfort and safety all the days of their life. Well, here's what I'm trying to say. Following God's will is never safe, but it's good because God is good. So the goal of raising this disciple is not comfort and an easy life, but it's to know the goodness of God. But what does that look like really applied? Like, like, let's put the screws to that ideology. What does it sound like when someone finally submits their perfect dream of motherhood and childhood unto the cross and they trust it in the goodness of God? I want you to listen to this letter that was written on a Mother's Day to Jesus. It says this. Dear Jesus, I dreaded this day for decades. In the church of my youth, on Mother's Day, you wore a red rose if your mom was living and a white rose if she had passed away. What 11-year-old little girl wants to be reminded of the day their mom died in a car wreck? I never wore the rose and I actually stopped going to church that day. Seven years later, Jesus, I, I came to know you. And I discovered that great verse in the Bible, Romans 8.28, that all things work together for good, who God loves and is called according to his purpose. But 
I started using it like a band-aid on a corpse. I was so wanting an instant cure from the deadness in my heart and the pain and the suffering. But like all forms of denial, it collapsed under the weight of reality. Jesus, I've realized something. You are a healer, not an illusionist. Thankfully, I now realize Romans 8.28 claims me. We don't claim it. This great promise is a journey, not as a moment, but as a womb in which new life is born over and over and over again. It's not a spiritual epidural for temporary relief. Jesus, thank you that whatever our wound, loss, betrayal, or heartache, you are faithfully at work for our good, healing, and freedom. The wounds we now carry, they can become a portal through which your mercy, grace, and love flow to others. Jesus, I miss my mom fiercely. And I so look forward to being with her one day. Help all of us for whom Mother's Day isn't easy for whatever reason. And to not be defined by our white roses. But rather to rest in your goodness and your love and your compassion. That's what it looks like to surrender comfort and safety at the cross of goodness. It's not safe, but it's good. The third thing that I see is this. Cross-shaped motherhood finds its identity in Christ. Now, this is really particular. Look at what happens in these verses. When Jesus saw his mother, that's a moment, right? I mean, if there was ever a moment like that, just Spielberg or somebody could get a hold of. Because what's happening is you died by asphyxiation on the cross. You, you didn't die from getting whipped or the nails in your hand. You were suffocating to death. And so you would have to push yourself up, get a breath, and then go back down. He's been there for hours in the hot sun, all of these things. And it says that when he sees his mother and the disciple whom he loves standing by, he said. Do you know what had to happen for him to say it? He sees her. Maybe they made eye contact. And he pushes up. And he gets a breath. And through brokenness, through whatever's happening, he said to his mother, Now, if I were to white out the word woman, I'll get in just a minute what the word means because in, in America, we're like, well, that seems pretty offensive, but that's not it at all. If I were to white out and put, and he said to his mother, blank, what would you say? And he said to his mother, mom, 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 help me, mom, it's okay. Mom, but he doesn't say it. He says, woman. Now, culturally, that's the equivalent of us saying, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. That's actually what it meant. So he's, he said to his mother, ma'am, 
behold your son. And he's, and he's looking at John, the beloved. Why did Jesus not say mother or mom? Well, many scholars have opinions, and I love what Fleming Rutland said. Her identity as Jesus' mother is not important to John. It's striking that John in his gospel never uses the name Mary for Jesus' mother. In fact, it's remarkable how rarely the mother of Jesus is called Mary in all of the New Testament apart from the nativity story. You see, as the New Testament presents her, when her son enters upon his ministry, she becomes a follower as others do. And she is a beloved member of the new family that comes into being through the power of Christ's death. That's good. Listen, Mary did not achieve her worth and identity from motherhood. And my goodness gracious, she had the credentials. Mary just like every other fallen sinful human, derived and received her worth from Jesus Christ. Women of Westside, can I speak good news over you today? God doesn't love you anymore on the days that you kill it as a mom. I mean, you're like, homemade this, I did this, I quilted everyone's clothes, everything they're wearing I made, right? And it's all organic, and it's all, and I mean, just on the days that you just, God's not like, wow, man, I, I knew she'd get there. Hey, hey, women of Westwood, I feel very prompted to say this to you. God is not in love with some future version of you. God loves you now. He wants all of you now. He sees you now. It derives its identity from the cross of Christ. And the last thing that I see is this. Cross-shaped motherhood is motherhood to a new spiritual family. Oh my goodness. The significance of this, this is where theology trumps biology. Look at what happens. He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, John, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Uh, did you know that John later becomes an elder at the church in Ephesus? But John doesn't go there until the day that Jesus' mother passes away in Jerusalem, church history tells us. That he stayed in Jerusalem with Mary until the day she passed away. What, what's going on here? Is, is Jesus just trying to like comfort and you need to take care of this and that? Because, you know, back then, if you didn't have somebody be able to take care and you were a woman, you didn't have voting rights and all of this stuff. It's not just that. There is a real spiritual reality that's happening here. Jesus actually gives us a preview of it in Mark's gospel. There's a moment where he's outside of a house and his mother... And his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called to him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. I don't, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, and somebody ran up and said that to me, 
you better find mama, right? You better like, mama's looking for you, okay? And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And then he goes on and says this, and looking at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. What Jesus is showing here is that the cross of Christ and the gospel creates something stronger than biological family. That we are to relate to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And then we see later on in Titus how, how older women are to treat younger women as disciples and sisters in Christ. It's the familia. It's what every heart longs for. Um, in closing, I'll never forget a number of years ago when Courtney and I first got here. And, and, and we had a young couple come to us and said, hey, would you pray with us and for us that we really want to have children and, and we've been trying everything and, and we just want you to pray with us. And so we did. We just prayed with them. And um, we prayed for a number of weeks. And then they came up to us one Sunday and, and they said, hey, thank you so much for praying with us we really feel like God's revealing something to us. And we were like, wow, what's, what is it? And they said, you know, we've been asking God for a family and for a child. Um, but it seems to be that Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, we see all these kids running around. And we see all these, all these little babies. And, and what we really feel like is that God is, is lifting up our eyes and showing us that he has given us a family. And we want to serve these kids and love these kids. That's what it looks like when you understand that it's so much broader than what we think it is. So today, we can't let anything else shape this narrative because womanhood and motherhood are shaped by the cross. You don't get your worth from anywhere else other than from the cross of Christ. And this church family is so significant that we all need it in our spiritual growth. I love what one church father said. He said this, you cannot have God for your father unless you have the church for your mother. And all the ladies are like, I'm taking a picture of that. That's really good, right? It's so much bigger than what we think it is. So, hey, on this Mother's Day, don't warp the message. Don't change the focus and put the light on something else. It is good and right to honor the women in our lives. But ladies, today what I offer you is good news. And it's that you have a Savior who holds it all together so you don't have to. And you find your worth in Him. Father God, we come to you today and we are so grateful for the women of Westside, for these biological mothers and for these spiritual mothers. Oh, it's so much bigger with the spiritual family. God, today I pray that you would comfort those who need comforting. God, I pray that you would convict those who need convicting who's placed an idol on comfort and safety rather than your goodness. And at the end of the day, we all find our identity 
at the foot of the cross. May it be said of the women in this room, like it was of Mary, Jesus' mother, she was standing beside the cross. Holy Spirit, have your way with us. We pray this all in the holy and in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.